the night before Christmas, and all through the ship, not a sensor was flashing, not even a blip. When there was a huge crash to the bridge, I then ran, and there found St. Nicholas with joystick in hand. With Atari's Miss Pac-Man, he gobbled and scored. Then on to Jungle Hunt, he played till he roared. From out of his sack, he pulled dozens of games, all the great ones from Atari, our favorite names. Before I could thank him, he beamed out of sight. With a Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game, and occasionally do other things, and see if that story bites is bad. My name is Bill, this is episode... Mm, 321? Yeah, 321. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to everybody. Thanksgiving's over, December is here, it's the holidays, whatever you choose to celebrate, I hope you're enjoying the season. If you don't choose to celebrate anything... Well, I hope you're enjoying that, too. And especially the the freedom that provides to you, because this can be a really stressful time of year for many levels, for many reasons. We just recently did the annual tree decorating, which is always a stressful affair at my house, because it always starts out the same way. Everyone's really enthusiastic until the actual work begins, and usually it ends up me being me finishing the process. But it's done. The tree is up. It's lovely. And, uh, and all is good. And I'm about to ruin it, because here in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk about a holiday special called Christmas Comes to Pack Land. Come on, fellas, let's chomp them! We'll return to Christmas Comes to Pack Land after these messages. And I will just say in advance, I am terribly sorry about that. This is, uh, by the way, post-COVID edition part 9, the ninth episode since I died of COVID and came back to life as zombie podcaster. You're welcome for that. I hope you're all doing well with your own zombiness. If you have still managed to avoid COVID, I hope it's because you are adequately vaccinated and are taking appropriate precautions. End of public service announcement. Sean Courtney, friend of the show, that dude from Autobiography of Schnook and Pie Factory and uh, occasionally the Atari 7800 podcast recently chimed in with a message that I don't think I mentioned on the last episode. He wrote over on the Patreon, patreon.com, by the way, where you can help support the show. He wrote, regarding your question of farther versus further. Okay, I'm going to pause here and, and mention that I don't remember this being my question. Actually, I do. I remember me pondering the difference between farther and further and which one you would use, although I don't remember the context that I was using it. But it is still a legitimate question. When do you say farther, that, that something is farther, and when do you say something is further? Sean has an idea. Here's what he said. Farther, if it's physical distance. For example, Los Angeles is farther away from Fish Fuge, Iowa, than it is from Burbank. Otherwise, use further. Who am I to argue with Sean? That sounds correct to me. I don't think I would say 
Hey, Los Angeles is further away from Fishfouge, Iowa. I would say, as he wrote here, Los Angeles is farther away. So I agree. I'm trying to think of a sentence where I would use further. Let's see. That thought was the furthest thing from my mind. For example, Christmas Comes to Packland is the best holiday special ever. It's the furthest thought from my mind. There you go. Um, so thanks for the uh, grammar lesson, Sean. If you'd like to hear more grammar lessons, check out any of those podcasts that I just said. I would guess from time to time, Sean weighs in on, uh, on grammar. Totally random thought, but the word grammar made me think of it. Is anyone excited for the apparently now actually happening Frasier? Uh, they're not calling it a reboot. They're pointedly not, not calling it a reboot. But the new Frasier series that apparently is coming to Paramount+. Plus. Kelsey Grammer has confirmed it is coming. They're evidently going to do, I think... 10 episodes. They've made it clear that nobody from the original series is going to be part of the regular cast. David Hyde Pierce has been interviewed where he says he's not intending to, although I would be surprised if he doesn't pop up in a guest appearance or something. And it sounds like Frazier's going to be in a totally different town. He's not going to be back in Boston, like on Cheers. He's not going to be in Seattle, like on the Frazier show. He is going to be, it sounds like, maybe in Chicago, where, spoiler, you remember at the end of the Frasier series, he was apparently headed to Chicago to be with his, his great love, I guess. Although, I, I think it was maybe kind of open-ended. So he might be in Chicago, or he might be in a totally different place. But Kelsey Drammer in interviews keeps saying, it's we're looking at the third act of, uh, of the character Frasier, and he's in a totally different place than we've seen him before. So, Drammer, as in Kelsey Drammer, made me think of that. If you have thoughts about Frasier... Or Cheers. I've been doing a Cheers rewatch lately. What the heck? Send them to me. Anyway, what was I talking about? Alright, well let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Huh, joke's on you. I've already told you. We're not playing a game this week. You can blame Sean for that too. Last episode, I mentioned that he had sent a link to me on Twitter uh, with his review, I think from 2015, of an animated special from the 80s called Christmas Comes to Packland. And, uh... He was, shall we say, less than enthusiastic about the special. Um, I talked a little bit about that last episode. The whole thing sounded so absurd that, of course, I had to check it out because we dig nothing around here more than absurdity. So I did. And in a moment, you're going to hear all about that in excruciating detail. Get ready. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast. All about life lessons, growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers. Or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around. And I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. Christmas Comes to Packland came out in 1982. It's a 24-minute animated special. After a conflict with the ghost causing Santa to spiral out of control and crash his sleigh, 
Pac-Man and his family and friends work together to fix the sleigh and save Christmas. The average rating on IMDb is 5.6 out of 10. It is available on Boomerang. It's also on YouTube. Although if you watch the full episode on YouTube, it's this weird screen where you see a, a, a static scene on your screen of like a, a living room with a big screen TV in it in one corner of the room and the special plays in that little screen. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why it's there that way, but it was a way to watch it for free. So that's what I did. I really don't think it hurt the quality of my viewing experience. The episode was directed by Ray Patterson, although I doubt that he admits it. It was written by Jeffrey Scott, who I really doubt admits it. The cast included, and by the way, no insult to the cast for this, they were hired to do a gig. Peter Cullen is the voice of Sourpuss and Santa Claus, pulling double duty there. Sourpuss is the cat, by the way. Inky is Barry Gordon. Pac-Man is Marty Engels, who looks very familiar to me. His voice is like, he, his characterization of Pac-Man is like, I don't even know what to call it. He sounds to me like a gangster from the 40s. And that just feels to me like a weird voice to use for Pac-Man. But there you go. Marty Ingalls was born in 1936 in New York. It's very clear he's a New Yorker. Had a rough childhood and was often picked on. After he, This is all from IMDb, by the way. After he finished school, he went into the Army, appeared on a couple of game shows after that, and won. Went on to be an actor in California. Lived with another... This is all from IMDb, by the way. Lived with another guy and actually ended up dating and eventually marrying his roommate's girlfriend. Awkward. There's a bunch more of his personal bio there. You can check that out. Chuck McCann does Blinky, Pinky, and Officer O'Pack. Barbara Minkus is Mrs. Pepper. Mrs. Pepper Patman. Full name there. Neil Ross is Clyde. Susan Silo is Sue. Rusty Tyler is Pat Baby. And Frank Welker is Chomp Chomp and Morris Reindeer. I totally missed that there was a reindeer named Morris. The big news here is, I guess, that the episode was produced by Hanna-Barbera, legendary producer of pretty much every cartoon that I or anyone listening to this podcast watched when we were kids, eating our uh, Cocoa Puffs or Cap'n Crunch or whatever on Saturday mornings. Remember when they had just a whole morning of Saturday morning cartoons, and if you wanted a cartoon, that's where you watched it? There was no uh, boomerang or... Cartoon Network or streaming cartoons. No, no, no. If you want to see cartoons, you got your butt out of bed early on a Saturday morning to watch the Super Friends. At least that was the first one in the lineup for me. And you sat there until noon. By like 11 or so, the really good cartoons were done. But you you hung in there till noon. Those were the days. Anyway, the Christmas specials wiki says that this episode was a spinoff of the Hanna-Barbera Saturday morning cartoon, Pac-Man, which I kind of remember watching. Although by 82, no, nah, I was still watching Saturday morning cartoons probably by that point. Although maybe not as faithfully. I kind of remember watching the Pac-Man cartoon. Although I, I vaguely think I was a little annoyed that it cut into the time that it used to be Looney Tunes or, or you know, Roadrunner. They called it different things. Looney Tunes, the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show, that kind of thing. It was kind of cutting into that time, I think. But anyway, it aired originally on ABC on December 16th, 1982. Later reared annually on the USA Network in the late 80s on Cartoon Network from 92 to 2004 and Boomerang from 2000 to 2015 and again in 2020. I started to look if maybe it was still on Boomerang, but then they wanted money and I was like, no, I don't think so. I think you could do a free trial, but I don't want to mess around with that. Especially when I found out you can get it for free on YouTube. The wiki gives a little summary of the, of the show. We'll get there in a minute. 
It was available on VHS after its initial broadcast, notably the only episode of the series to ever be released on VHS. That suggests to me that maybe the regular series was worse than Christmas Comes to Pac-Land. Not sure if that's possible. Later made available on Warner Archives Pac-Man, the complete second season, Manufacture on Demand DVD set, even though it was actually aired during the show's first season, released on September 11, 2012. The wiki has some kind of nice images from the episode, quote-unquote. I won't go into great detail, but the Vulture.com review opens with, Is Christmas Comes to Pac-Land the worst Christmas special ever? Kind of gives you an idea what they're going to say. And there are a number of reviews on the internets with the same vibe. Is this the worst thing you've seen ever? Well, you know what? Let's find out. After the break, we're going to discuss the show. Get your caffeine ready so you can stay awake. If that caffeine comes in the form of Irish coffee, that's probably all the better. This is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. I was going to record this review later in the day. Earlier in the week, I watched the episode. I watched the episode again yesterday, took notes. But I was so worried that even from this morning to this afternoon, I would forget more of this episode that I thought, no, I better commit this to the audio archive as soon as I can. Because, wow, this episode is something. So let's just get it over with. (coughs) So the episode opens with Santa soaring across the sky. He's got the reindeer. It's a lovely uh, night. It's Christmas Eve, of course. Interestingly, he's uh, calling out the names of the reindeer, and he mentions, he, you know, he name-checks Rudolph. And, in fact, you know, Rudolph is there in front at the lead, the red nose and everything. It was weird to me to see Rudolph name-checked in an episode like this, outside of a Rudolph special. I would have thought there were some, uh, you know, some, some licensing issues there, copyright issues, whatever. But there he is. And uh, he gets mentioned prominently later in the episode, too. According to the internet, Character Arts LLC manages the licensing for the Rudolph Company LP and DreamWorks Classics. 2014 was the 75th anniversary. Wow, this is an old article. You can do the math to figure out how old Rudolph is now. I imagine Hanna-Barbera licensed the character for this episode, although I don't know why. Spoiler, Rudolph really doesn't do anything. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Just a curiosity point on my part. So, Santa, I think, makes a comment about how we've we got to get going. We we got to schedule to keep. We got a whole planet to deliver to. My immediate thought was because we're going to find out here in a minute that Santa has never heard of Pac-Land. But if he's been all over the planet, how is that possible? Does Pac-Land exist on another planet, another dimension, some sort of hidden zone on Earth? I don't know. 
Santa starts tapping away on some on a keyboard built into the uh, dash of, of the sleigh and makes a very pointed comment about how you know, it's a good thing my, my naughty and nice list is computerized or I'd never get my job done on time. It's a very prominent thing. It makes you think this is going to be a plot point somehow. But no, they really don't refer to it again. One of the reviews I read suggested that this was the writers in the early 80s sort of subtly, I guess subtly, conveying to the kids, hey kids, computers are a big deal. You should get excited about computers. Maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. So they're soaring over the, you know, the, the snowy houses. It's a lovely Christmas Eve. Cut to Pac-Man, Mrs. Pepper Pac-Man, and Baby Pac building a, a, a snowman. Pac-Man's really doing the work. And he makes a comment that this is uh, your very own snow monster to practice chomping on. Chomp, the word, jokes involving chomping, are very prominent in this episode. So just get used to it. But oh no... Where is baby Pac-Man? Suddenly, a very traditional-looking Pac-Man starts barreling down on Pepper Pac-Man and Pac-Man, and they start running in fear, which is odd, because they are Pac-Men themselves. Uh, but, oh no, it, ha ha ha. It just turns out it was baby Pac-Man riding a tricycle, having encased himself in a snowpack. A little odd. Pac-Man, though, is proud. Yes, sir, my baby is just a chomp off the old block. Like I said, buckle up. We got a lot of chomp humor in this episode. Mrs. Patman suggests a toboggan ride down a hill. You don't hear the word toboggan much anymore. Cut to the monsters. Inky, Blinky, Clyde, Sue. Singing a version of Jingle Bells? Do you want to know what that sounds like? <laughs> yes, of course you do. Here you go. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. What fun it is to chomp on Pac-Man every day. One of them says, I heard something. In response, another one says, you heard something, all right. The sound of rattling ghost brains. They fight a lot. The ghosts, the monsters, I'm going to keep calling them ghosts. I know, I, I think there's some sort of debate over whether they're ghosts or monsters. And the winning side of the debate, I think, has been historically monsters in my head. They're ghosts, because that's what they turn into when they get chomped in the game. So I'm probably going to lapse into calling them ghosts. Don't at me on Twitter, or Hive, or Mastodon, where I also am now. You know, it, do at me on those places, but not about this. So the monsters spot the toboggan, the pack creeps, and decide now would be a perfect time to chomp them. To which somebody says, come to think of it, any time is a perfect time to chomp them. So now the packs see that the monsters are approaching. And Pack is like, warp speed! Speaking of licensed things, doesn't Star Trek own that phrase? So, Pac-Man's like, we gotta kick it into high gear, we gotta hit warp speed. Although, nothing really changes. Except they do fly off a cliff. Pepper Pac-Man picked a really bad place for this toboggan ride. And uh, land in a snowbank. It's kind of creepy looking. This, uh, this horrible plunge from a cliff uh, into a snowbank. And Pepper's like, what are we going to do? Without our pellets, they'll chomp us for sure. Pac-Man spots an emergency pellet box. I kind of wonder, do these things just sit around town? This is a weird town where there's the constant fear that monsters are going to chomp you to the extent that they have to have emergency pellet boxes, I guess, placed in strategic locations. But oh no, the box is empty. Someone's going to get a nasty letter. So they do the best they can do and start hurling snowballs at the monsters. Inky decides to respond and starts throwing 
power pellets out of a bag. Evidently, they stole the pellets out of the box, I guess. And someone calls him out. No, stupid. You're throwing them power pellets. And Patchman's like, and we're chomping them. Somebody says, puh, 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 pack power. I don't know who says it. If it was me, I, I wouldn't admit that I said it. A monster, I don't know which one, doesn't matter, shows Pack a warning on the bag. Caution, the ghost monster general has determined that chomping is hazardous to your health. Pack's like, well, maybe you haven't read my new warning right here. He opens his mouth. The monster leans in. I can't read the fine print. Pack says it says, never look a Pac-Man in the mouth. Seriously, uh, Patterson, or whatever your name was. I hope you're not putting this episode on your uh, resume. So now there's more chasing around. Uh, for some reason, one of the monsters starts punching the other one with a tennis racket. I don't quite get what was going on there. The monsters kind of scatter. I thought about rewinding to see what was going on exactly, but, you know. So now, uh, remember Santa flying around? Well, we're back to him now, and he's still stressing out because they're falling behind schedule. The monsters have been chomped, and you know when they get chomped, their bodies disappear, and it's just their eyes floating around. This freaks out the reindeer, and somehow th them being startled causes their, uh, whatever those things are, that hooks them to the sleigh, breaks loose. Uh, so now the, the sleigh is plummeting towards the earth. Santa is, is shaken off of the sleigh, and he is falling towards the earth. It's very freaky. Cut to commercial. They don't do a whole commercial in the YouTube version, but there's clearly you see where the break is, that there was going to be a commercial. Back to the action. The reindeer are reconnected, and Santa's back in the sleigh somehow. There's a little bit of a continuity problem here. Probably somebody saw it in the production and decided, you know what, it doesn't matter. But they are still crashing. They land in the snow bank. It's really kind of creepy and kind of freaky. They're all unconscious, half dead. You get a half, uh, you get a shot of uh, Santa lying there on his back, unconscious for some reason. The snow on his face is gray. I don't know if it was to make it clear that, that he has snow on his face because he's got that white beard and everything. I don't know what was going on there. So the Pack family kind of approaches them and they can't quite make out, can't decide what to make of this weird alien with the hairy face. Pat Baby is immediately taken with the reindeer though and he, he wants to help the, the poor animals. That Pack cop, which is how I refer to him in the notes, but I guess his name is Officer Opac and another Pack dude who probably has a name, but I don't know what it is, approach to see what's going on and, and decide that this is an invader from Mars. Santa kind of wakes up and Pepper Pack tells him that he's in Packland. Santa's like, never heard of it, but he's freaked out. He's like, well, I'm way behind schedule. I got to get cracking. But it's immediately apparent that the sleigh is too damaged. The reindeer are stuck in the snow. Pepper diagnosed Santa with a bad cold because he starts sneezing. Well, I'm going to need a flying tow truck, and all my elves are off for the evening. Seriously? It's Christmas Eve. Your elves aren't working? Do you not have an emergency elf team? Have you not seen the movie The Santa Claus with the ELFS team? We just watched that last night. But no, apparently there's no one that can come help Santa. Mrs. Patch is like, well, anyway, you need a warm fire and a power pellet cocoa, which I have to assume is code for drugs. So now they're back at the Pack family house. Mrs. Pack tells Santa to call her Pepper. Santa explains who he is and what Christmas is because the Packs have no idea what's going on. They kind of grok the idea of uh, the season of giving and receiving, peace and goodwill, all that jazz. They kind of like the sound of that. But Pack's like, well, we got nothing like that here. Clearly, because the whole town apparently is cool with the idea that monsters are going to show up every once in a while and try to kill you. 
Suddenly Santa realizes that on top of everything else, he lost his bag of toys. Well, crap. The world is counting on me. I haven't missed a Christmas yet. Pac's like, don't worry. We'll save Christmas for you. Despite having no idea what it is, having no idea how the sleigh works, Officer Opac and the other guy, whatever his name is, get out some tools and start banging away on the runners of the sleigh. Cut to the monster's shack. Of course, they live in a shack. Uh, they all the, the disembodied eyes kind of float into a, a dresser, uh, the drawers of a dresser. There's a bit of humor with one of the ghosts coming out wearing a sock instead of his monster suit. They're all very unhappy because they're sick and tired of that pack nerd getting the best of us. One plan that somebody suggests is let's catch him in a butterfly net, drench him in chocolate sauce, then pounce on him. You know, a typical Saturday night for me. Whoops, did I say too much? Anyway, so back to Pack. He's going to go look for the bag of toys. Now out in the snow, we see the monsters again singing a monster version of Jingle Bells. Another verse, I think. And of course, you want to hear that too. So here you go. Dashing through the snow On the field we go In a three ghost monster sleigh Jumping all the way Ho, ho, ho! The monsters get to the sack of toys first, and they are about to pee themselves. They are so excited about these toys. My question was, if this is a, a whole different world that's never heard of Santa, or humans, I guess, and these are human toys, how do these ghosts even know what these things are? Anyway, there are boats, there are baby dolls, there are airplanes, all that kind of stuff. Pac-Man overhears the monsters playing with the toys, and his dog, whatever his dog's name is, Chomp Chomp, I think, somehow conveys the idea that they should burrow under the snow and try to sneak over there and, and grab the sack. One of the toys I noticed uh, that the uh, ghosts are playing with is helpfully labeled just a box. It's helpfully labeled game. I'm thinking about the kid who uh, on Christmas morning opens up his Christmas packages and one of them just says game on it. Awesome. So the monsters, because they're kind of immature little turds, start fighting over the toys. And while they're fighting... Pac-Man, having burrowed under the snow, just about manages to snag the uh, the bag, but he gets spotted, to which a monster says, We ain't as dumb as we look. On second thought, maybe we are. And he pulls out a mirror and looks at himself in the mirror. All right. Pac-Man and the monsters are about to chomp him. Pac-Man. Pac-Man's like, hold on, hold on. Let me explain. I just want the bag of toys. And he tries to explain about Christmas. One of the ghosts says, Quit wasting time and chomp on his bones. Telling you how this town runs is really weird. Pac-Man's like, well, like I always say, if you can't beat them, run. Quick, Chomp Chomp, grab the toys. The dog's a little conflicted. He doesn't know if he should help Pac-Man or if he should grab the toys. But as they should, the toys win. And he starts gathering up all the toys and putting them back in the bag. Two of the monsters split off and go after Chomp Chomp, who manages to give them the slip in a little, it's not really even a cave, it's just a little uh, space between the ground and a, and a rock. Even though the monsters are looking right at him, uh, they're right behind him, they're looking right at him, they run right past. Pac-Man's running the other direction, and he's like, I think I'm going to get away. But then he trips over a rock and gets himself chomped, which makes him all loopy. Monster, whichever monster it was, that got him, it's like, see ya. Don't take any wooden power pellets. This, of course, is a play on the idiom, don't take any wooden nickels. Uh, accepting a wooden nickel means to accept something that proves to be fraudulent or deceitful, to be swindled or conned, primarily heard in the U.S. Don't take any wooden nickels means take care and try not to get swindled. 
phrase is thought to have originated in the early 20th century when country residents visiting the city were considered easily duped. Why a monster who is by nature deceitful would say this, I don't know. Maybe it's meant to be ironic, I guess. So Chomp Chomp drags the bag over to Pac-Man, who I guess is dying in the snow, because he's like, in this, I think it's the big dramatic Marty, what's his name, Marty Ingalls going for the Emmy moment. He's like, I, I just hope I have enough strength to make it back. This episode's really dark in places. Back at the Pack family house, the cop is buffing out the scratches on the sleigh with a sanding disc that looks like Pac-Man. So it's got the little part cut out for the mouth. I can't believe that that's actually good for the paint job, but whatever. Santa Claus is telling Baby Pack the story of, you know, Twas the Night Before Christmas story. Pack Cat, who I later learned was named Sourpuss, is hanging stockings over the fireplace. Santa Claus gets to the part about a creature, you know, not a creature with stirring, not even a pack mouse. He's adopting the, the pack lingo here. And we see in, in the wall an actual pack mouse, who is huge, by the way. Pepper Pack tells Rudolph his temperature is okay, but his warning light is flickering. <laughs> Pac-Man, on the way back to the house, passes out. I don't think I can make it. Chomp Chomp licks his face. And Pac's like, oh, okay, maybe we can make it. But then they fall off a cliff, because of course they do. The bag of toys is scattered. Somehow, despite not having a watch, Pac-Man knows that it's 20 minutes to midnight, and we can't let Santa down. Back at the house, the sleigh's fixed. The Pac dude, whose name I don't know, says... Comes with a five-year, 50,000 chomp warranty. Ha, ha, ha. Get it? I'm guessing Santa Claus doesn't actually get it, but whatever. He's too focused on the deadline. He's like, never mind my deadline. I just hope Pac-Man is okay. Q, Pac-Man, kind of half-frozen, stumbles into the house, but without the sack. Oh, no. But then Chomp Chomp comes in with the bag. Yay! Christmas is saved, except no, it's not. Because Santa Claus is like, well, it's just too late. Everyone is sad. Santa Claus is literally in tears, which is horrifying. Even if my reindeer were jet-propelled, I couldn't make it. Pac-Man, you know, keys on that. He's like, that's it. Follow me, Santa. The Pat family and the cop and whatever all pile into the car. Santa, you know, loads up his sleigh, follows the Pat car somewhere, but the monsters stop them on the road. Stop talking, start chomping. At this point, I wonder, okay, Officer Opac is right there. Can't he just arrest them for you know, threatening to kill Pac-Man, which makes me think this is some sort of Old West-type town where there was ostensibly a sheriff, but the outlaws ran around killing people pretty unfettered. Pac-Man tries to reason with the monsters, trying to explain to him what's going on, tries to explain about Christmas. This is the only chance Santa Claus has to save it. Doesn't want to disappoint all the children. You know, this is the time of the season of warmth and brotherly love. The monsters are like, even ghost brothers? Pac-Man's like, because this is the appropriate thing to say in this moment, of course, we're not doing this for me, for all the deserving children. Which made me wonder, why would they? They'd never even heard of children until earlier this evening. Didn't even know anyone else existed. How do they know that these humans are not just horrible creatures? But anyway, the monsters are clearly moved, and they're all prevailing upon Clyde to let everybody go. Clyde finally relents, but he's like, all right. We're going to be back after Christmas. So the Pat family continues. They arrive at Power Pellet Forest, complete with a guard on duty, a fence, an authorized person's only sign. Pat being an authorized person, apparently, because he gets right in. Santa Claus, of course, is skeptical of power pellets. And he's like, it's no use. I've missed my first Christmas. 
Pathman's like, don't give up. There's the answer to your problem. And points at the trees. The unnamed pack dude is like, me thinks Packy's gone wacky. But, you know, sort of reluctantly, uncertain what's going on, the reindeer start munching the pellets off the tree. Rudolph's nose starts glowing. I think the sleigh starts glowing too. And Santa's like, lead on, Rudolph. And the packs wave as the sleigh soars into the sky. Thanks again, Santa says. Does he say goodbye or anything? No, and to all a good night kind of deal? Nope, he just takes off. So the Patch family goes home and are stunned, wait for it, to find a Christmas tree with all sorts of presents underneath, a beautiful fire in the fireplace, which, by the way, is not safe. You should not leave a fire unattended. Morris, I just now at this point learned that the unnamed dude is named Morris, and Officer Patch even get presents. The monsters are, are watching all this in the window of the Pack house. And one of the monsters points out, hey, I thought we said we weren't going to chomp them. Clyde's like, well, we changed our minds. And so they burst in, but wait for it. There are gifts under the tree for the monsters too. Inky, Pinky, Blinky, and Clyde all get presents. Clyde's like, I I don't know what to say. Baby Pack in his little Baby Pack voice is like, how about thank you? So they do. It's a very nice little Christmassy moment. And then from overhead, we hear Santa Claus. <laughs> Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good chum. Because of course you knew he was going to say chomp. And that's the end of the episode. By God, we made it. For years, Dogwater Hunt, alien abductee, many times over, has scanned the skies waiting for the aliens to return to his hometown of Santa Claus, Indiana. Yes, it's a real place. This year on Christmas Eve, Dogwater believes it will happen. Dogwater's friend, Cameron Jones, a successful novelist, is struggling with writer's block. A talking goldfish? That's normal, isn't it? And a battle with his ex-wife over her plan to move to England with their five-year-old daughter. Meanwhile, up at the North Pole, Santa himself has got his own problems. After centuries of being jolly, the constant tide of kids who believe, then don't anymore, is wearing on him. So he quits, hangs up the red suit, and is Kringle no more. Where does he go? Santa Claus, Indiana, obviously. The story of how these three men are thrown together is told in the novel In the Saint Nick of Time, written by the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. It's about time there was a Santa Claus story for adults, so he wrote one. Will these guys save Christmas? Probably. That's how these books work. But you gotta read it to find out how. Go to www.carnivalofgleekcreations.com for more information about the book and some of the places you can order it. Happy Holidays! So here's the thing about Christmas Comes to Packland. I've been trying to think how to describe this thing. As 1980s Christmas TV specials go, animated specials, it's not all that out of character, frankly. But this one is like that one cannoli-type cookie on the tray at the holiday party you didn't really want to go to. It looks kind of good, actually, on the surface. has a bit of enticing icing on the top. But you bite into it, and it's really just mostly air, right? There's just not that much 
depth to the the show. And I kind of remember the Pac-Man TV series being the same way. To be fair, the Pac-Man game maybe not the best choice to turn into a TV series or a Christmas special, but they took a shot at it. So there you go. And this was the result. Could I have done better? Well, probably not in 1982, but maybe now I could, although I don't know why I would want to. If you guys have strong feelings one way or the other about Christmas Comes to Packland, or, you know, want to share your thoughts on what a good video game-based animated special, holiday special in particular, was, uh, go ahead and share them. we got another episode before uh, the end of the year, so go ahead and send them to me. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for creative comments use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Tortney for the storytime theme, which you didn't hear in this episode, but thanks anyway. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a little present in the form of a five-star review of this show. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. By the way, uh, you can also find me at Carnival of Glee over on Hive and Mastodon. People are starting to migrate over there. I haven't left Twitter, but I have expanded my reach, my global empire, to Hive and Mastodon. But I've decided that all of my stuff, my various podcasts and writing endeavors and everything, on Hive and Mastodon at least, will be under at Carnival of Glee. So that's where you can find me over there. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I haven't That hasn't changed as Atari Bytes. You can also call me if you wish. I'm not going to answer the phone. But if you want to call and leave me a voicemail, 563-265-1978 is where you can do that. You can leave me a message with your uh, favorite Christmas specials if you want. Game thoughts, story thoughts, cookie recipes, whatever. Uh, I'm waiting to hear from you. And most likely, whatever you leave there, I'm going to share on the show. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. You're going to find information uh, and links about uh, this show, about It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, books that I've written, which you can own for your very own, should you desire to do so, other projects that I've worked on, all sorts of stuff. You can also support the show over on patreon.com, where uh, if you do so, you join an exclusive club with these fine folks who have my eternal gratitude. Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Jeremy L., Mark Super, and Jim Jim Goble, and Robert Ferguson. Thanks to one and all. Next time on Atari Bytes. It's the last episode of 2022. Can you believe it? For many reasons, both uh, global and personal, 2022 perhaps not my favorite year, but uh, here we are. It's the end of it. Traditionally, in the last episode of the year, we uh, take it easy, right? It's the holidays. The, this next episode in fact, coincidentally, drops on Christmas Day. So, in light of the holidays, we're doing something a little different. Other long-time listeners of the show will recognize this. I mean, you know, it's the holidays. We have to plug in the Christmas lights. So we unplug the game console. We lay down our quill pen. We roll up the parchment where uh, where I write the original short stories every episode. And we just kind of kick back, you know? We're just going to watch a movie. 
And usually that's a movie that's inspired by, or in turn inspired, one of the games that we played during the year. Uh, you remember several episodes back, I think it was 316, we played No Escape, which was ostensibly a version of the ancient Greek story of Jason and the Golden Fleece. Uh, I don't know that it was, but I have to think that it was inspired at least in part by iconic 1963 adventure movie Jason and the Argonauts, which is most famous for featuring special effects by the legendary Ray Harryhausen, who kind of pioneered special effects, in particular stop-motion effects. Um, so, I thought it would be great for the next episode, for the last episode of the year, to watch Jason and the Argonauts, and then talk about it. And since it's more fun to pick apart a movie with a buddy, uh, I invited Jeff Fulton from the Into the Vertical Blank podcast to talk about it, and he said yes. So, next episode, Jeff and I talked about Jason and the Argonauts. So hop on the train. Go watch the movie. I think it's available for free on various streaming platforms. And send us your thoughts. If you can get those in uh, fairly quickly here, I can include those in the December 25th episode. And if you don't get it to me in time for that episode, don't sweat it. I'll include it in the episode after that. No big deal. Send us your thoughts. Send us your prayers if you're into that sort of thing. And maybe send booze, uh, which is always appreciated. Regardless, even though we're not playing a game for the next episode, it's always good to go play some old games. They've missed you. Oh, 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 oh,